see tonight in the Kazari is a continuation of the discussion we began, but it's going to take a very surprising turn. So we saw last time that the Chacham tells the king that it's possible, so to speak, to perceive, to understand Ruchnius concepts, Ruchni things, spiritual things, physically. Speak about the fire of the Shekhinah or the light of the Shekhinah, which was visible in the Oil Moed or on top of Harsinai. So the king is going to try and think through this idea, and therefore he plays it back to his, like repeats in his words, but with a very interesting interpretation of these things, which we'll see what the Chacham does with. And they are beholding in Isaiah, he says, Amra Kuzari, Kvar Hispari Said Hamidis. I already understood this being explained to me what it means Hashem has made this, which means Hashem has different ways of running the world. We spoke about Midas, we spoke about the different options Hashem has had to so as we act towards the world. It says more than that, when his scholarly have one as Indian Kvar Hashem. Malachis Hashem Vashrina. I understood, you explained to me the idea of it means Kvad Hashem, which is something which is visible. That means Shem Shemus Nefim Advarim Nirim. It's not a problem. It's referring to things which people can see. All these terms refer to the Shrin in different senses. Whether it's Amud Anan, it's a pillar of cloud, whether it's the fire, which was burning, which most of them saw, whether it was the Avarof, which is a thicker cloud. Or of the summer fire, or Nagi's light. And he's now going to explain it the way he understands these things. This is the king's explanation. We explained it that there's a certain uh, middle point, certain meeting point between Ruchnis and Gashmis, and therefore it's possible to perceive a Ruchni concept even in the Gashmi sense, but in the minimal Gashmi uh, re- revelation, which is through light. The king understood it differently. And he says, just like you see on a cloudy day, that we get light from the sun even though you can't see the sun. So how does it work? Right? If you can see the sun, and then just like you can see the sun, the sun can shine its rays down on people. So we understand that there's a, something physical which is a direct connection. But a cloudy day, when your visibility of the sun is blocked, but it's still light, it's still night. So how do you have light? How do you have the R, which is, comes from the sun, even though the sun is hidden? So he's going to say, We're not going to say that the light we get is a, a part of the sun, because... So, the way the Kuzari understood this idea. How can it be that the sun can, so to speak, provide light even if we can't see the sun? So he says it's not because the light is the etzim of the Shemesh, it's part of the sun, but rather the sun provides light and that light reflects. That light reflects over other things also. It says, the gufus which are nifalos v'nechachom, ye'iru bohem. So in we can't see the sun that directly because it's been blocked by clouds, but there'll be other things which the sun reaches and the light, so to speak, reflects back onto us, so there'll be light. Not directly from the sun, indirectly. It's not exactly the way we understand it today scientifically, 
We understand that the, the rays of the sun can get through the clouds as well, even if you can't see the actual sun itself. But the way he understood it was that there's a concept of a transfer of, so to speak, light, even if you can't see the source of the light, because it gets reflected. It gets reflected. Now, the Kuzari understood the same concept of Hasteruchnis, which means you can't see Hashem. So how do we see R, which comes from Hashem? The same idea, it gets reflected. Except instead of getting reflected off the moon or of other things in the world, when you're talking about this, you're talking about the various levels there are between our world and the world of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the light comes down and, so to speak, on its way down, it gets stuck past from stage to stage or reflected from stage to stage until the light eventually reaches us. And therefore, we seeing, because Zari understood, the king understood, of the, when you talk about light, which is, represents the Shekhinah, obviously isn't the full intensity of the Shekhinah itself. Rather, it's a reflection of however many stages lower that it is that we can see. Now, there's an important point here which Chazal talk about. And uh, it's something which, perhaps, we should discuss. There's a Gemara. The Gemara says in the of the Gemara says that the Roman, whoever the Roman was, asked him Gabriel. And he said to him that, that there must be a multiplicity of gods. Why? Because you, can, you see that, that people dive into Hashem in different parts of the world, you see Hashem acts in different parts of the world, so there must be this, lots of Hashem, lots of gods. So the answer that I think it was Gabriel's daughter gave him, he said that uh, you should punish your servants because when they opened the curtains in your room this morning, the sun came inside. So now the sun can't shine anywhere else because it's in your room. And what? We understand there's one sun, but the sun shines everywhere. Right? It shines so wherever, wherever it's going to be. It doesn't take away from the fact that the sun's shining everywhere else in the planet because it's shining over here as well. And therefore, she's trying to say, therefore, when you see that the fact that, yes, Hashem is doing lots of things in different places, it's just it's the same idea. The sun shining everywhere. If you have one kayak which is active in lots of places, it doesn't mean it's multiplicity of kayaks. It just means its ability to, so to speak, to have an influence or effect on the world, wherever it can reach. That's the, that's the first point. Now, Therefore, what was the mistake of the Roman? The Ke'ilu, he understood that what you see here is the source of, or is, the, is in some way, you can say in those words, he's talking about someone who's over in Zara, is that speak Hashem. So how can Hashem be here and Hashem be there and Hashem be somewhere else? And the answer is it's not Hashem. And even here, when you talk about the Shekhinah coming down, there's not Hashem. It's a certain level of Ruchnis that Hashem brings down that we can relate to. That it can relate to us. But it can happen in lots of different places. The Pasuk says about Any place where Yidna learning Torah, and there are many, many places Baruch Hashem around the globe right now where people are saying learning Torah, comes to each one. It's not that Hashem himself comes to each place. But Hashem is not dividing himself into lots of different places and different people. And so the Pshat is that there's a level of Ruchnis which connects to us as well, like everywhere else. Just like connects to everywhere a person is learning Torah. That connects to every person learning Torah. But that's... Avoy Lechaz Hashem will send down that level of Ruchnis. We talk about the Shekhinah, for example. Hakadosh Baruch is everywhere. But he's not himself coming everywhere. He doesn't have to come everywhere. He already is everywhere. Avoy Lechaz means there's a certain high level of connection here than there is in places of your own learning Torah. 
But that doesn't mean that if you're talking about Hashem Ba'atzmai, we're talking about a connection or a level of Ruchnis, which is more, which connects to us which Akonshpach connects to us. That doesn't mean that Hashem Kaviyachal himself, again, if you're going to say that Hashem is Marekal Olam, then you're right, he's everywhere anyway. But if you say we're talking about that Akonshpach Kaviyachal comes down from Shemaim, like he did Harsinai, every place of Hashem is not to that extent. It's Hashem even in Harsinai. It's Akonshpach whose covet came down to Harsinai. So that covet, that light, whatever you want to call it, that comes down to wherever a person is learning Torah. Right. Now, but, and here's an interesting point. Here's an interesting point. Agav, the first Chiddush, yeah? And that is that the marshal we gave of a reflection isn't 100% accurate. And I'll tell you why. If you would reflect the light, then the light that you get shined back into you is as strong as the light which, which, which shines into it. If I have a mirror, and the mirror is reflecting a very strong light, I'm going to get blinded by that. Because the same intensity of the light which comes out of the mirror is the light which goes into it. Right? When we have the concept of the reflection, so to speak, reflected light from Shemaim, obviously it, it gets diminished along the way. And this is the biggest art which we talk about always of the principle of what happened to the moon. Okay. What happened to the moon? We know from Chazal that originally the moon was meant to be as bright as the sun. Right? But uh, Hashem diminished the moon and became much less bright. It doesn't mean the moon was meant to be a ball of fire. There was never a heaven that the moon would be a source of light in its own right. What it was meant to be was the moon was meant to reflect the sun. Like it does today. Except if you're reflecting that intensity of light, you should be as bright. If you hold a mirror to the sun you look at it, you won't be able to see it. It's, as, it's too bright to look at. So if the moon was meant to reflect the light of the sun, then it should have been as bright as the sun is reflected, the light which is being reflected off, which comes as brightly. The chiddush that Hashem did is that He was mimaked the, so to speak, the ability of the moon to reflect the light of the sun, and therefore, even though the sun is so much more powerful, the light which comes back to us is much, much weaker. And that's the light of the moon we have today. But the Arizal already learns so that's a that's a prototype for how we understand altogether the concept of the light. With the matter which is coming down. And that is that it's being minimized. It's being minimized at whatever level it is. And therefore, whatever, whatever connection we have to what we see, that aura of Ruchni is coming down here, is obviously much less than it is Basharish. When it gets reflected or bounced down to our world, it comes out at a much lower level. And that's necessary because as people, we can't look directly into the sign. And similarly, we can't deal with that much higher level of Ruchni. Sorry? The R which is before the sun. The R which is called the R Agonis. The R which is hidden with much stronger R is the same thing. Because that was the R from Akadish Baruch which, come, which was coming down and in that intensity it was much stronger than even the sun was going to be. That was with the moon? No, that was, the, that was neither the sun or the moon. The sun and the moon were only created on the fourth day. The R came from the He R on the first day. That R was, was coming down much, much more, in much greater intensity, much more powerful. And they're always hidden. Okay, now let's get to the next point. So what's the Kazari going to do with this? So the, the king understands, he says, I understand that, yes, just like I understand, light can reflect and come down. So this Ruchnis will also, so to speak, come down to, to this world in a similar form, sense. Omer HaKavir, Cain. HaKavir, Nitzitz, Ar Elaki, Moel, Eisel, Amoy, Uva'artzai. It's true. We speak about the covet of HaKadosh Baruch, the Ar of Hashem which comes down. It's true, it comes into this world, but it doesn't go everywhere. Not everybody equally shares it. 
this concept of the Arav HaKadosh Baruch which comes down helps Amu, which is Kali Yisrael, or Ba'artza in Eretz Yisrael. Kali Yisrael is the people, and Yisrael is the place. Now, in other words, it's not like the sun night, which anywhere which is, so to speak, in daytime now will be equally uh, enjoying the sun, or equally getting the light from the sun. The light which comes down in Ruchnius is much more di- direct, and it only goes to those who arrive for it, which means Amoy, which you already lots of times, because sorry, and now it's Nuchidish Arta. And now we're going to, it's actually approached for the three weeks, but now we're going to, the discussion is going to get shifted into what is the idea of Arta. What makes Eretz Yisrael as a place, not the people, the place, and a, a land where there's more connection to Ruchnius than anywhere else, which is what the king is going to answer him. This Agav is something which we'll see, based on different Rishonim, how much of a importance they attached to Eretz Yisrael. Now, of course, the Torah tells us it's a land which HaKadosh Baruch chose for us, it's a land where the Pesach is, it's the only land where there can be Nebuah, which is all true. But the question is, how much is the form of focus of Imunah in Eretz Yisrael? Or, it's true, it's there, and it's something we we, 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 to, we, we look forward to being, being able to rebuild the Malchus based Yisrael here in Eretz Yisrael, but it doesn't form a primary part of, of so to speak, Ashkafa. Uh, this is an example. The Sam Rishonim, who Kimat I mentioned, even if they're going to talk about Emuna and Ikre Emuna, Eretz Yisrael doesn't feature in Emuna so much. It's a place which we're given, there's a mitzvah to live there, whatever it is, but you call the Sam Rishonim, but it doesn't feature part of Emuna, and the best example of that is the Rambam. The Rambam in his Ikre Emuna, Kimat doesn't talk about Eretz Yisrael. He talks about it in the sense that Hashem Sheikh will bring us back there, we'll set up the base of English there, because that's the place where it has to be. But the fact that Eretz Yisrael is different, is special, doesn't feature so much in what the Rambam writes. The Rambam doesn't even bring us a mitzvah to live there today. The Ramban Paschal has a mitzvah to live there today, but the Rambam doesn't, really, doesn't hold like that. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, we have Rabbi Yudha Levi. Rabbi Yudha Levi is famous for the idea of Eretz Yisrael. The author of the Gazaz, Rabbi Yudha Levi. But in Tishabav, we shouldn't have to see it as the other kinnas, but you'll see there are many, many kinnas written by Rabbi Yudha Levi about the yearning for Eretz Yisrael. It was a, and for him it was a central feature. And that's why he's going to now bring into the discussion of the Kazari his whole manifesto of what he sees the, the mind of Eretz Yisrael being. Which is very interesting. So he says it's true. There's an R which comes down from Ruchnius, and it goes to Klai Yisrael, we already spoke about Klai Yisrael and Neshama, and then we have more of a connection to Ruchnius, and it goes to Eretz Yisrael. And so really the king answers him, Omar Kazari, Ma'amarcha etzlal amik farnis farni. The fact that you say Klai Yisrael is special, which now includes him, because he's been misguided already at this stage, then I already know that. And there's a matter to Klai Yisrael, therefore we have more of a connection to Hashem. What you say about it is a matter there is Yisrael that I find hard to accept. What makes there is Yisrael special? What makes it a place? What makes it a more Ruchni like a place? And I'm just jumping the, the, the Chavar's answer that for a second, we'll come back to it. But and he says again, the, 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 the king in Aisidalif, Amar Kazari, I haven't found or heard from people who live in Eretz Yisrael that they have some amazing uh, advantage of anyone else in the world. What's, the, what's this miraculous nature of Eretz Yisrael that you're talking about? If people live there like they live everywhere else. The sun shines there, the crops grow. What's, what's so different about it that you're saying there's this new and different dimension of Ruchnis? When the spies came to Eretz Yisrael, they were anxious in the and there was special fruit and there was some. Um, you're right, but the, that, that's not an argument which is going to help us too much. 
But that was before Eretz Yisrael was over there, and we don't find afterwards it was like that. So we have to ask, it's like a question: Why was Eretz Yisrael so luscious and so fertile in the time before the Jewish people came there? And what schus did it have, so to speak? That was specifically the time of Shemim Meshatach, and it was because of Kadoshul keeping the Torah. Right. There were times like that, unique times, when Hashem sent the bracha in tremendous degrees. But in times of Chorbun, and times when it wasn't like that, on the contrary, there was famine, and there was drought, and there was, there was the, like the Pasuk says. He's trying to say that even when it's famine... Always, always. He's trying to say there's always a military Israel. Not that Israel is used as a place where we can, we can get bracha, but always, Israel has a specific distinction. And again, the Nafkamin is today. Is there a matter right now? We, we're not in a matter of, of Goethe, we're still in a matter of Korban, unfortunately. It, what's the matter of Eretz Israel right now? Now again, I'm not talking about the, the societal matter. The fact that it's a stiver of Neitara, the fact that there's more of ability to live in a society which conforms one's world, it has nothing to do with Eretz Israel. It happens to be that there's a the, the, the population or whatever it's going to be, the, the kind of society that a person wants to be part of. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the matter of Eretz Israel as a place. And therefore, Rabbi Yudhara his own time, when Israel was desert, there's was no one living there, but he still, as we have to see, saw there's a tremendous matter to Israel as a place, which is going to explain to us um, in the next few points of discussion between him and the, and the king. And uh, the Nafkimina is, and that's also something which is, uh, how much was that a focus of, of what Israel, so to speak, we're looking forward to when they were in Goddess? Of course, the idea of Mashiach coming and being able to keep the Torah, Mashiach coming and not being persecuted from the Goyim, Mashiach coming and being able to build the base of Mingdash, or wherever it is, that for sure features very highly. But you see from Yehuda Levi that the fact of, that we'd be able to go back to Eretz Yisrael that was, a, was a very big part of his Ashkofer. Like he says, Anibus Saich Ma'irav Alibi Mizrach. That's his name. I'm in the end of the West, the end of Europe, that's uh, Spain, but my heart's in the East, in Eretz Yisrael. He was one Tzira and Halei Tishali Deshara Tzirach. That was also the king of Rabbi Lalevi. That there was a Maida even in Goddess, but missing Eretz Yisrael. There was a Maida in Eretz Yisrael. So besides the Kinnus, where he's expressed it poetically, we're going to see here, he's going to explain to us, as Hashem will see, what the Maida of Eretz Yisrael is.